Welcome to another episode of On the Line. I'm Joe Mullings with my lovely co-host. I'm Holly Scott. Nice to be here again. Yeah, and um, it's great to have Holly back online today. We're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive in particular into the world of medical robotics yeah. and some of the trends we're seeing right now in the industry. Uh, from time to time, we'll be jumping into very specific markets mm -hmm. within tech and other times more career, but today I think more around mm -hmm. robotics in the medical device industry. It's an interesting area for us because we've seen so much develop over the last number of years as we've seen organizations go from infancy to later stage and now we're looking around and this came from you and I chatting yesterday on here's where we're at here's the clients that we're servicing in this space and there's a number of them and they're they're attacking it from different angles all with very interesting approaches and they're primarily still lumped into surgical robotics right so we know that there's opportunity there and from a career development perspective there's tremendous opportunity there yeah, and what I think we have to remember is while 95% of the medical device marketplace is non-robotics, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll, I'll keep it really basic at first and then bring it out, but historically, uh, medical robotics really was a market developed by Intuitive Surgical, right? Mm -hmm. So they're the 800-pound gorilla in the room right now. Sure. And they've done, uh, Gary and his team over there have done un unbelievable job of mm -hmm. defining that market getting it somewhat um, acceptable, adopted. Mm -hmm. And there's been the J&Js of the world, the Medtronics of the world that have been trying to draft up behind them right now with their own platforms on general surgery. Uh, we've seen others in the orthopedic market, like Mako, mm -hmm. uh, who's now a striker company, mm -hmm. right? And Mazur, who uh, is with Medtronic. And you've got Globus now on the ortho side. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then we have a client right now in Southern Cal who is really the first um, obvious player mm -hmm. who's using robotics for a non-surgical application. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a it's an unbelievable simple technology when it comes to the use of robotics, but for what better market than real-time life-saving decisions around brain health? So, as a diagnostic tool, there's tremendous opportunity there as well. And now going back to the, the clients that we've seen and what we're working with, no matter how deep the pockets and how substantial the resources, they still have such an uphill battle, right? The clinicals, the regulatory path, and even adoption, even intuitive. I'm sure how many people we spoke, chatted with uh, on the sideline, adoption is difficult. Surgeons, not every surgeon wants to have a robotic platform. They're, they're just not. Well, there's uh, not enough clinical data either right now. There's not enough clinical data and there's a hell of a lot of training involved and a lot of mind shift going on there. So to, to really get higher adoption is it's going to continually be a challenge, especially for the, the surgeons who are best practice already. So that market in itself is, it has challenges. There's no question. When you go back to career development and you go back to, I'd love to be in the game on robotics, but I don't know if I have the patience or the wherewithal to sit in the pocket with a gigantic player that has to get through these, these lofty milestones. That really creates an interesting opportunity for organizations like the, the client we're working with in Southern California that has this non-invasive approach, but yet there's still the robotic complexity that they can get involved with and they can get a win, right? That we, it's, it's a simpler way to get a win and get with a team that may actually have some commercial success 
in the short term. And, and when you look at it, so let's make sure we stay on, on, on careers here on robotics. What's interesting is there's different aspects of robotics. Just three years ago, everything was referred to as surgical robotics. And then one of the players came out and started calling it digital surgery. Mm-hmm. And when that digital surgery label came out, it had me think. And it isn't always robotics. It's, it's automation. It's navigation. It's imaging. It's image processing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, tissue characterization and perception. So there are many modalities as you look to move your career into medical devices and the medical robotic world, then you can look at the diagnostics. So, mm-hmm. you know, the client we have, well, it's, it, listen, it's neural analytics in Southern mm-hmm. Cal. We can say that. There's, oh, there's certain clients that out. prefer us not to, but mm-hmm. check them out. So what Leo Petrosian's doing down there is they have, I think, a brilliant approach. So it's, as Holly pointed out, it's, it's uh, a brain injury, whether it's a stroke mm-hmm. or whether it's concussion. And you lay your head in a cradle, and there are two autonomous robots on each side of your head that do a tremendously better job of doing an ultrasound scan Mm -hmm. when the first responder greets you, right, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to the care center, it's been diagnosed and potential therapy and treatment of care. Mm -hmm. Because currently, you've got to wait for an ultrasound tech. Right. You've got to then do that ride to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that's one example from a career perspective of where you want to look at robotics. And Mm -hmm. you pointed out, not hang your hat mm-hmm. on waiting for the approval mm-hmm. on a surgical system mm-hmm. that is trying to boil the ocean. Right, right. It, it, it's, a, it's a different mindset, right? <laughs> if you think of, of robotics as one particular avenue within the digital world, there's so many applications. And even our, our, our friends up at Active in Boston, right, mm-hmm. looking at, at tissue, um, a very unique tissue application and imaging that is, uh, it's got an amazing opportunity within a complex surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. And that particular opportunity may be software imaging rather than robotics itself in terms of the development and the path that you get, but still there's so much opportunity there. And it's more of a fingerling of robotics, right? Or digital health. No, I, I, it, I think you'd still call it a robotics company that indexes on software. Sure. You know, sure. as one, mm-hmm. one of the VPs up there said, we're really a software company mm-hmm. who happens to use robotics mm-hmm. because they are using a standard robot. I'll just mm-hmm. leave it there. And it's, it's an image characterization, tissue characterization and perception adding a very robust platform to a surgeon who may be working manually. Right. So that's right. the beautiful thing about this exactly. is while it mm-hmm. could be robotic and non-robotic, mm-hmm. and it's empowering the surgeon from an automation and a characterization pers- perspective that they mm-hmm. ha- didn't have before. Right. But we're seeing autonomous robots in urology. We're mm-hmm. seeing autonomous robots in diagnostics, which I think you're going to see a, f- a rush in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're seeing surgical robotics, the highest adoption rate, right now in orthopedics. And some of that is because the docs adopt it quicker. The other is it's a hard surface. It's easier to apply robotics to a hard surface that you can index off of and register Mm -hmm. where soft tissue constantly is moving. And that's a much harder proposition. No, that makes makes sense. So career, what do you talk to people about Mm -hmm. who want to get into robotics? What, what, Mm -hmm. What would you say if somebody's coming out of let's just call it uh, an orthopedic play. Mm -hmm. And they're either a marketing person or an engineer or a Mm -hmm. salesperson. You pick, what do you tell them? 
Well, if they come to me saying, I want to be in robotics, there's, there's a different uh, piece of advice that I would give. If they come to me saying, where will, where will we see the highest growth trend in med tech? I would step back and say robotics is, again, a, a function within that. But we're looking at where software inf infiltrates med medical devices overall. Um, when the FDA opened up five years ago, that's where this thing got really fun, right? This is where there's been a lot more opportunity. Diagnostics, imaging, again, robotics, all of these components add up to opportunity over the next five to 10 years without question, without question. So if you want to get into robotics, there's lots of opportunities, both in med tech as well as outside. If you want to stay cutting edge in med tech, I'd follow the trends on what is going to impact the diagnostic timeline, uh, impact the, the financial timeline of a patient, and how quickly we can get them diagnosed and treated and out of the hospital or out of clinical care. Those, if you can look at those pieces, those are going to be big drivers because that's what our investors are asking for. That's where they're seeing. They're saying, okay, if you can get this done, we know that you're going to quickly get reimbursement. If you can get reimbursement, you can buy in there. We have a stronger path and opportunity for approval. And let's face it, those companies are typically non-invasive. So if you're non-invasive on top of those things, bingo, um, you've got a real roadmap that yeah. could potentially be a, a quick, a much quicker win than the big, the big drain when yeah. it comes to uh, resource intensive yeah, invasive and, procedures. And, and, and with that, you have to look at the career path. So don't look at spending your life at a singular robotics company. Mm -hmm. Build a career and a resume portfolio around that. So Holly, you bring up a good point, is the approval cycle. Right, so there might be some platforms out there that are five, six, seven years before they're approved. Mm -hmm. That's cool, mm -hmm. that's cool, as long as you're not planning on being there for the approval. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is identify the companies that have the technology that probably excites you, and then plan on spending two years at it, three years mm -hmm. at them. Because you should have three, ro you, if you ask me, should you spend seven years at one company, or three, stints at two years in robotics, mm -hmm. I would spend spend three two-year stints at robotic companies because a couple things. Everybody does it different. Mm -hmm. It's still in the fledgling states of development. Mm -hmm. You're gonna see, I, I would rather you be at the ideation and initial execution of a platform three times than sit in one platform all the way through to the end. Now, is that with your engineering hat on? Would you give the same advice with your marketing or commercial hat on? Well, marketing commercial hat, you already boxed out at the other end of the uh, of the canyon because you don't have a choice to get in early on commercialization. Well, let's get more specific. Marketing, yeah. right? So marketing, yeah. And, and, and this is what's interesting is most marketing people are going to be positioning the organization, whether it's a robotic system or a digital surgery system. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because when you hear me say digital surgery, I'm talking about not a robotic necessarily. Mm -hmm. it's, it could be imaging, it could be navigation, right? right? It could be tissue mm -hmm. characterization. So I wanna make sure when I use the word digital surgery, it's inclusive of robotics, but not exclusive of. Mm -hmm. So on the marketing side, therapies and disease states will still rule. Because if I've got a robot going after the structural heart space, mm -hmm. I need somebody who understands who the physicians are, the users are, the workflow in a cath lab and with 
an interventional cardiologist right. or we, a heart surgeon. If so we're going to change the game, we've got to understand the game coming right, in, right? Correct. You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to take an orthopedic robotics guy mm-hmm. out of marketing, mm-hmm. and just because he's marketing or she's marketing, put him into an interventional play. It's not right. going to happen. Right. So I think on the marketing side, what you want to do if you want to break into robotics, it's much more limited because there aren't as many near commercialization, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And I think more of those marketing people are doing market assessment, mm-hmm. market research, right. than execution on a launch. Right, right. No, totally agree. I do believe, though, from a career value perspective, sitting in the pocket longer to get that experience is more important. For marketing or engineering? For, for marketing. Okay. And that's why I want I yeah. I I to get granular here for our listeners. Absolutely. If you're an engineer and you are tied to the first several years of an organization and you're jazzed about the early research work and it gets it gets mundane once you start doing the B&B and test and, and developing towards even into clinicals without getting much further, there's no reason to sit. There's no real... Uh, well, especially uh, now, I would uh, rather you get, because how, how they're developing mm-hmm. digital or even robotics right now mm-hmm. is going to be tremendously different than it is in three, four, five years. Correct. And, You're and, gaining that 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 intellect, which is right. going to be valuable. And and this is all. This conversation is is really for the serial R and D research intensive individual. Once you start getting executive, once you start pivoting towards an executive leadership role, there's going to have to be some some over the hump experience and there's going to have to be some some launch experience some real successes there or else you'll get you'll you'll get the you, you won't get the same amount of traction depending on who your audience is well no because there's you can count on one hand the number of surgical robotic companies that have gone right, commercial okay right, if we're so staying, in fairness yeah, right yeah, yeah, but absolutely. talk to me in 3 years yeah, yeah what i believe also for those on the career side looking for career um, trajectory and navigation is you want to make sure that you understand how the surgical robotic environment is today is gonna be tremendously different than four years from now. And here's Mm -hmm. why. Most of the time in med tech, even on the capital equipment, almost everything was homegrown, meaning the entire product. Sure, you had your suppliers. Mm -hmm. You know, if you made an imaging machine uh, or or a CT scanner, maybe you got your arrays from somebody and you got your power supplies that's just the supply chain. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in, in surgical robotics, you're going to see major partnerships come out with already existing companies in their own area of expertise. Example, if you're in the endoscope world, mm-hmm. these robotic companies aren't going to be able to develop their own, well, I know two or three that are, but other than these major gorillas, if you're in the robotic world, you're going to be incorporating an Olympus scope or a Stortz scope or you know a, a Wolf scope into your robot. Mm-hmm. And so what you're going to see is a lot more collaboration, business development, and, and marketing relationships with other med tech manufacturers who sell their product on the open market themselves are gonna start collaborating with the larger or mid-sized digital surgery companies. So as an Makes example, sense. all the big guys, mm-hmm. Um, I was, and I can say this because it's in the public domain, we were up at uh, Mobius a couple weeks ago, who uh, we are bringing on as a client, and they've got the Trump bed there. Mm-hmm. We've got another client in Cali that has another manufacturer's bed. I don't need to learn to make the bed. Just like a Grand Prix car doesn't make tires, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the best in the market so my machine runs the best. 
So there's really no other medical device like that because it's always been a component we've sold. Right. And yeah, if it's been a system solution, mm -hmm. it's a bunch of sub-vendors, but not mm -hmm. an, another actual manufacturer at scale. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a marketing person, there's going to be marketing opportunities emerging in these larger companies that are going to do a collaboration with other med tech manufacturers. No, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Because at the end of the day, your technology can be absolutely the, the, the top. However, who owns the who owns the, the customer? And that's that's going to be the existing surgical representation. Whoever's out there with the existing products of, of preference, and those are the people, whether it's an Olympus or J&J &J or whomever it might be, that have those clinical contacts. They are going to have the relationship to introduce a new extremely complex piece of capital equipment. It's not gonna happen without their involvement in some capacity. Whether if you look at just the engineering side or the commercial side, they can't just, it, it would be a, such an uphill battle. And they've already been through such an uphill battle mm -hmm. to come out and launch based on the fact that you, I've sold a CT scan, now I'm gonna come in and sell you a surgical robotic platform. And then to finish up, here's the other really interesting revenue stream that is brand new to MedTech is what we've done, meaning us in the med tech industry, the manufacturers, the sellers, the providers, is we've sold a device and then we've walked out of the room. What robotics digital surgery allow us to do is then have an ongoing, res re an ongoing revenue stream on the data. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. so mm -hmm. we've had the sale of equipment, we've had the maintenance contract with equipment post sale, Really, the biggest win in this is what is going to happen with the data that comes out, and then what is the revenue stream on that data? Because every time you do a surgery, every time mm -hmm. you bring in a patient, there's a reason why the Amazons and the Googles mm -hmm. um, and the Apples are all interested in the digital surgery, digital data side of MedTech, because the data is where the money is. Yeah, that's going to be incredibly interesting to watch unfold. Well, I already know how it's going to unfold. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is the. I think the med tech companies become the slaves to the data companies. Mm -hmm. I think the data companies are the the ones that are on the horizon right now that we know of are going to be the Amazons, the Apples, mm -hmm. right? The uh, 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 Googles, mm -hmm. right? They're they're masters at data, and I think what they're going to allow to happen is they're going to allow the J&Js, the Medtronics, the Strikers uh, to make things mm -hmm. and run the factories right. and invest in the manufacturing floor and manage the millions of square foot of manufacturing mm -hmm. and manage the hundreds of thousands of employees. But the elegance is going to be at the data side of things, and that's where the companies that have established their world on data management, cloud management, are going to be, you're not gonna unseat them. Hmm. And I believe that's where the partnership goes, is they are gonna master everything post, and they're gonna leave the fabrication of things to the current large strategics as we know them. Mm -hmm. No, some of our most forward-thinking executives that we are working with are, are starting to think along those lines, and it's, in, it's, in, it's, it's, it's ahead of the curve, and you have to stay there. That's where we're headed. I was sitting, and I was sitting with um, a really good robotics client in Boston, mm -hmm. and they had me in there for a strategy meeting, and they were talking to me about, uh, yep, we want to position this to make sure that uh, I'm just going to toss names that Medtronic may look to acquire us, 
or J&J may look to acquire us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, said, I said, wait a minute, one second. Mm-hmm. No, no. You know who's going to acquire you and who you need to be thinking about acquiring you is Apple, Amazon, or Google mm-hmm. because you're a data company who happens to make a robot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Different I think this market's shift. going. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as, as our friends out in medtech world think about their careers, mm-hmm. last bit of advice I would leave for you, and I'll let Holly have the last word, is it's cool to look at the job you're interviewing for today. You mm-hmm. absolutely should. More importantly is what does that job, market, product look like three to four years from now? Mm-hmm. Because what you buy off on today is really just going to be rearview mirror stuff. So make sure you're picking a career or a company or technology that is going to be more relevant three to four years from now. Don't be afraid to take mm-hmm. the shot at that. Yeah, it, it probably a dozen times a day as I'm chatting with individuals, it's about uh, what is this teeing you up for? What what is this experience? What is this next several years going to to add to your tool bag? What is it going to allow for you to leverage as you look downstream in your career and what your goals are? And that's what should be number one. That should be number one. It shouldn't be title. It shouldn't be money. It shouldn't be any of those silly things. This is this is where it is your real value is built. This is where your real market dominance is built. And that's what we need to focus on as we're developing a career. So there's your quick sprint on digital surgery, surgical robotics, and what's going on in the market. And God, it's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Thank you. This is birthday month, everybody. Yes, it is. So yes, do you, you want to share that public service announcement for a second? Yes, that's true. If you're looking for gifts or anything, I'm registered at. No, just kidding. Holly turns <laughs> this month. And, um, Edited for television. <laughs> we, right, right. We, we celebrate the entire month of August. Yes, we do. Yes, yeah. we do. As, as well we should. YOLO. <laughs> So this is Joe Mullings. And this is Holly Scott. This has been On The Line. Look forward to chatting with you soon. Bye.